So you're there in Paris. I've arrived. I can confirm they are even more thorough with their COVID testing. Oh, even oh, more. really? Why is that? They've ramped it up. You would have thought that by now, the year or so we've all had with testing going out to work, that you'd be used to that sort of cotton bud the size of a biro just picking up your nose. And they have to do it. They do what they're doing. This, this was a shock like no other. This, this woman was chatting away, mask came down, up it went. Literally, I thought it was going to pop out of my ear or, or my eyeball or somewhere. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> it was, I'm not even kidding. Some people say I exaggerate, but I promise I'm not. It was only one nostril. She said, we only do one nostril this time. So that's the saving grace of the whole thing. But, <laughs> but they do it doubly. <laughs> they literally, she pulled it out the nostril and my, my right eye started watering. So just mm. my right eye. So I'm standing there. And then you have to hand over your little vial to this man. And this man says, are you Gigi Salmon? Yes. Is your date of birth? Yes. Shouldn't they ask me what my date of birth is? Isn't the whole to check I am who I am? Anyway, so they, is this your email address? Meanwhile, my right eye is just streaming and streaming and streaming. And I'm like, oh God. And that's my first of three or four. Because if you've had both vaccines, you don't have to do this. Oh, nice. But I'm I'm only one down. Oh. And I tried with all my might to get the second one, squeeze it in before I came out. And it generally was the computer said no. Oh, no. <laughs> That's such a killer. So I'm, I'm, I'm one jab in and I got a lot of tests to come. So I can confirm they're even more vi- vigilant. So if there's anything hanging around anywhere, they'll find it. And... Yes, but I'm here. The weather has been lovely. I'm not allowed on site yet because you have the test when you arrive. And then as long as you're negative, which I hope I will be, then you can go on site when you're all clear. So, yeah, I've, I've seen. So the unveiling of the Nadal statue today. Yes, I've seen the picture, I've seen the videos, but I wasn't there because I'm still awaiting results. But I'm, I'm here. I'm in the vicinity. Does it feel like it was just yesterday that you were there before? Yes, it does. And it's, conf- <laughs> it's, it's confirmed the fact that we need a good 12 months between Grand Slams. Oh, really? To recover? <laughs> to recover. Oh. I feel- <laughs> well, how's it going to feel at Wimbledon this year? Two years. I know, see, so I'm ready for that. I haven't had one for two years. I'm like, ah, we're back. Desperate. And I was, I was making my... Well, our hotel's changed, so it's a slightly different walk. But I had a big heavy rucksack on. I was carrying all the equipment. And you think... Right. Okay, you can do this. However, seventeen days. We got this. But no, it's it's. You know what's lovely though? In September, October, it was cold. It was wet. Mm. It was. I'm not saying it's not going to be cold or rain at any time. But today, the sun was out, and it just makes everything feel that much better. You see the players wandering around in and out of the practice courts, and just it's just got a nicer feel about it when the sun is shining. Well, everything's better when the sun is shining, especially things that happen outdoors, particularly tennis, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're telling me. And because someone was asking on social media about the baguettes. um, Yep. I'm well, what am I? I am eight hours in and I've I've avoided them. Successful start. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) It's not that impressive, is it? They're eight hours. (laughs) Um, I will. I will keep a. I will keep a check check and report back next week. But you're going to be covering it from afar so we're again yes. well we're not t- we're never going to be together again i've decided so so we <laughs> oh, it's very dramatic we are we're going to be covering in different places 
Yeah. We are, yes, I'll be in the UK. Uh, I won't be in London. I'll be uh, in Manchester, in Salford. And, uh, yeah, covering it for the BBC. So we'll have a bit of a British focus there. Oh, yes, yes, of course you will. So interesting as well with some Brits in some fine form. Um, so we've got Dan Evans, who's decided he can win some matches on clay. So that's super. <laughs> uh, Cam Norrie, just, I mean, just a ridiculously consistent performer this year. Just reached the final out in Lyon on the clay. So, um, yeah, hopefully it won't be all wrapped up within a few days as it used to be a few years ago. Are you expecting anything of Johanna Conta? I don't really know what to think of Johanna Conta at the moment in terms of what I'm expecting of her or are there no expectations on her because of the injuries that she's been through? Yeah, there's no expectation, but not in sort of a, ugh, I don't expect her to do well sort of thing. Just no expectation because of the form she's been in and the injuries. Not in like a negative way, just that, you know, okay, she's a former semi-finalist, but I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's one of those things. She's got a tough draw as well in Serana Kerstair in the first round, Oof. who just won Istanbul. Yeah. The, the title there. I mean, she's tough on the clay, but Johanna Conte, of course, has, you know, good good experience on the clay in recent years. But, you know, look, she's not at her best. So, I mean, I could see that one turning into a scrap. I could also see it, it being pretty one-sided. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. It's it's a bit of a mixed bag this year, I think, in terms of, uh, you know, how the Brits are, are going to shake out. But I think the good thing is, well, you are going to be Brit-focused, of course, because you're, you're working for BBC Radio 5 Live. Around that, there are so many other stories. I mean, that's... Yeah, I mean, thing. only while the Brits are, are yeah. playing or are in, you know, we'll cover Dan Evans playing and then we will also do <laughs> other things. <laughs> I have one of those weird tournaments when i sort of covering everything and I spend a lot of tournaments yeah. just working on the ATP side of things. So I'm, I'm sort of very clued up on that. And then we come into this Grand Slam covering the radio and the television and you're really across... You're really across everything, and it's it's it amazes me how much information your brain can hold. Because <laughs> you yeah. get to a point where there's too many players, there's too much going on, there's not a chance. But it's amazing how much stuff you are across. But I think when you're there from first ball to last, and you just watch it, it just it just sinks in and gradually that weight of information because we're we don't despite working for the French Tennis Federation we don't have a French focus because it's more international yeah. audience so yes there are Federer team Williams Osaka they're going to be big names that we're going to be highlighting and looking for but you've also got to round up the stories of the day and any surprises that happen anyone that makes this fairy tale run through qualifying who's never played tennis before and suddenly is in the semi-finals and you know all those kind of things you've got to keep an eye on and you've got to be neutral right as well that is you know you, you might potentially have your favorites but yeah cannot let that yeah, that's let that show yeah. it's quite quite the art something i i, I think I've got, I've got all right now but if you could fill me in a commentary box you would it would be very clear <laughs> who my favorites are i'm very sort of physical there's a lot of fist pumps and a lot of uh, kind of leaping up and down you know how you sort of steer you know when you hit a shot and you're desperate for it to go in you sort of steer it with your body you're like leaning to the right like go 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 <laughs> sort of do those sorts of things <laughs> so who's your favorite at the moment then oh so who would you who would you do the most leaning for in a commentary box oh who makes you lean um hmm. who makes you fist pump I don't know. Do you know what? I think it probably happens more so on the men's side than the women's, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I to be honest, when I first sort of started, I would just get really excited about good tennis. And I think people were quite confused, especially like producers who could see me through a window because I would fist pump at an amazing point for one player and then 
10 minutes later would be sort of like yes <laughs> for, another, <laughs> for another flare I was just sort of enjoying the tennis um but I suppose uh I'm I'm in, really enjoying Matteo Berrettini doing well at the moment uh, and th- the yeah. reason is, is that because I think he's underestimated. I think he's underestimated. I think people think that he's just a serve and a forehand and they could not be further, further away from the truth. He is so good tactically on the court. He makes so many changes on the court, subtle ones, big ones. And I've just really seen that in his game. And, and of course you're going to talk about the serve and forehand, but sometimes I just feel like, oh, come on guys, you know. He's he's a top 10 player for a reason. He's able to figure out this stuff. He's a really great problem solver and a very smart thinker on the court. So so that's sort of, I, I guess, why I sort of root for him to do well, I guess. A friend sent me a picture of Andre Rublev today. Yes, um, one of been, your favourites. Who, absolutely, who'd been practising... Don't tell, don't with, tell anyone. <laughs> who'd been practising with Zverev. And she said, oh yeah, Zverev was up sort of chatting, chatting, chatting. And Rublev was just slumped in his chair. And I was like... Just the guy, just why is he always slumped? Why does he look so downbeat? And she was like, because he wants to win. And he hadn't won in training. And it's about that. And that's just, she compared him to Felix Ogielia-Seaman and said he's quite similar. You know, on the court, that furrowed brow, that will to win. That, But I just, with Andre Rue, I want to shake him by the shoulders and just tell him how good he is still. Oh, well, you might get an opportunity to do that. You well, never know in the next couple of weeks. Well, no, we're in, we're in quite strict bubbles. Oh, uh, you're not going to infiltrate. <laughs> we we got to remind everyone that the players are still this year in the player hotels. I think there's actually a doubles hotel and singles hotels, I think. Right. And I believe they're allowed an hour out and about. So last year it was very training, playing, hotel. And I believe, but they're not allowed to go out into restaurants. And we got a curfew at nine o'clock. So today I actually went, <laughs> we're in a new hotel. So I went for a run, found a new route got a little bit lost and you know I'm not that quick and I suddenly looked at my watch and thought I've got to get back in before curfew I never had that before <laughs> so I'm in the middle of a forest looked like a forest anyway <laughs> probably a little park on the other side of the river for where I'm staying and suddenly I thought I've actually got to move it a little bit quicker because I don't know what happens at curfew I think you can get fined and told off and I think during the tournament we will we have a letter you know we have we are out late because we are working on. But today I'm not. I have no excuse. So I was actually pegging it back to make That's sure good. I was I was back in my hotel room for nine o'clock. So yes, they can't go to restaurants and bits and pieces, but they can. So Because didn't you find that last year, some of the top players I actually think were quite happy to lose because it was so claustrophobic and coming to Paris, it's seeing the sights and going out and seeing in a cafe... I actually sort of saw relief on some of their faces because once they were out, they could go to that bar, they could go sightseeing and they could have a little bit of freedom. Yeah, I mean, it's been pretty intense, hasn't it? And I mean, it's been fairly intense throughout the year. I mean, we've just got the announcement that Cincinnati is going to be with full capacity and that's very exciting. But for the players, even though sort of plenty of nations are opening up as the summer approaches, they aren't just as quickly doing that I mean for example Wimbledon currently the plan is to still have a bubble when the rest of the UK will I think have no restrictions in place whatsoever uh, apart from possibly for mass mass gatherings in terms of the numbers but um, you know it's just something that that, that has to be managed so, so you can understand it it's got to be quite frustrating I was talking to Anne Kjothevong after the Billie Jean King Cup tie that Great Britain played and they, they were all in a hotel they had to bubble 
but everybody else is just living life normally. So we're just looking out the win- window of people on Wimbledon Common <laughs> and just having a lovely time. And the Mexicans uh, who were playing in that, that tie, coming from either America or Mexico, where there have been very few restrictions, were just sort of like, what is... <laughs> This is this is a bit intense, really. But yeah, I mean, I think all players are longing, aren't they? They're longing for the bubbles to, to come to an end. It's tough going. Well, we've heard that Indian Wells is now going to be in the winter. I mean, it's never winter in Indian Wells, is it? But so I'm <laughs> thinking that we should try and do a, a tennis field trip away day, away week mm. to Indian Wells. Oh, lovely. Okay, fabulous. I mean, in reality, with three children between us and real lives and jobs i don't think that's going to happen but i would like that mm. to happen yeah <laughs> if anyone like to sponsor us to go out there we'd do one every day could be fab but great that it's happening though yeah no it's good it's the perfect climate it's great that it's happening um so we don't lose it from the calendar i think that was the main thing is we try and get some normality back with us something that's caused a lot we haven't even, oh, we haven't even got to the draw yet but before we even no. get to the draw Something that's caused a lot of discussion. I'm actually on a, a WhatsApp group with a number of tennis journalists. It's a lovely group to be on. And it really comes alive at Grand Slams, especially during this period where a lot of people are still working remotely. Was the topic, the discussion, Naomi Osaka, big statements that she it looked like one of those iPad notes, didn't it? That she had written and then posted saying, mm. I'm not going to do any press conferences at Roland Garros. And, and there's... I'm sure people listening to this who love their tennis have read that statement, but it talked about mental health. It talked about the sort of the banal nature of press conferences, et cetera, et cetera. She, she will take the hit. She'll take the fine and, and she won't do it. What, what was your, it's been mixed people on both sides of this. No one really staying neutral about it. Where did, where did you land on this? Yeah, I sort of, I mean, I tried to dissect it throughout today since the announcement came out and, and try to see, where she was coming from and and I am sort of struggling a little bit you know I always even if I may not agree or it may not be something that I would do like try and understand where somebody's coming from and um maybe there's just not enough detail in what she was saying to really sort of latch onto it because there's quite sweeping statements aren't there you know talking about mental health but you know I haven't heard of any other examples where um you know press conferences have been negatively affecting the mental health of of players um, I've heard a lot about social media comments and interactions, absolutely. Um, so that wouldn't necessarily be a surprise if she was, say, boycotting social media for that. I would say, yeah, you know, maybe about time. But it just seems a little bit out of the blue, really. And she was talking about athletes or the players crying in press conferences. And I was trying to remember off the top of my head, because it's fairly memorable, I think, when players cry in a yeah. press conference. How many? And I, I think I got to three in literally like the last 15 years. I really couldn't remember any and then I was trying to think of press conferences where I felt like the press have been a bit unfair and a bit brutal towards her because she's sort of saying this as if it it felt like come on enough is enough this is a bit silly couldn't really find anything there either I feel like she's been having having you know a fairly not necessarily a good time of it but just that it's been fine yeah no I so I'm just a little bit lost on it because I just don't think there's enough detail like it's one thing to say uh you know mental health is more important but there were no examples as to you know somebody said this to me and this was my reaction and then they said it again even though I said they shouldn't and there's there's none of that it's just sort of a I don't want to do it so I'm not doing it so it's a little bit tough I don't want to say that she's being ridiculous 
because I don't think that. But it is difficult to um, understand where she's coming from without more information. One of those examples, talking about players crying, I think of Andy Murray in Australia. And also, it's it's not that the journalists made him cry. It was just, you know that feeling when you're really upset, you're really upset. And I know if I go and see my mum and she goes, how are you? I'll just start crying. You know when you, you, you're, mm. <laughs> you know when you're ready to go and you just... Always on you, the edge. You just, you, you're really upset, you're really upset. And, and you call your mum and she goes, you okay? Which is a standard thing to say and you just go. So that was the case with Andy Murray. The question was, how are you feeling or how's your hip or how's the injury? You know, bang, he cried. And he was, they didn't make him cry. It was, it was going to happen. He was in an emotional state. So it's not even, you know, journalists don't... Yeah, and he wanted to, to give that press yeah. conference. Yeah, and he came back. Because... Gathered himself, yeah, came he, back. That's what he wanted to do. Absolutely, It's, it's, not, yeah. it's not the journalists... They don't attack players. They will be some sensitive subjects that they will be asked about. But the journalists, they're not, they don't gang up and attack. In Osaka's case, I'm, I'm wondering, would she have done this around Australia, a tournament that she's won? Would she have done it around US Open, a tournament she had won? Is it because... Yeah, and I, I think that's a fair point. Is it because it, it is the clay? And they were, look, look, how many questions did Sasha's Rev, how many press conferences did he have to sit through asking about his Grand Slam form? Remember, when he was winning Masters, couldn't get into the second week of a Grand Slam. And every time, is it is it mental block? What's wrong? And he got a bit tetchy. He is a bit tetchy. But still he came in and still he faced the questions, even when he probably didn't want to. And I, I just wonder, was she trying to avoid what she would perceive as the negativity of the questions, which would have to be, or, or along the lines of, what do you have to do to to get your game to where you want it to be on clay? Why have you never succeeded on clay? Really normal questions. Yeah, really normal questions, and you don't have to answer anything. You really yeah. don't. Yeah. You can sit there and say no comment every single time. That's not a problem. <laughs> you can, you know, you know. I mean, look at the masters of Serena, Serena and Venus, the masters of one word answers uh, when they didn't want to do press conferences. Oh, and Venus gosh, just yeah. saying, I yeah. don't know the response to everything. How did you win that match? I don't know. What are you going to do tomorrow? I don't know. What are you going to do tonight? I don't know. <laughs> it was just pretty constant, wasn't it? Um, and there are ways around it. You can even just say what you want to say and answer your own question. So if they say to you, hey, Gigi, you were match points up there. Do you think you choked a bit because you lost? And you go, well, my schedule for the next two weeks is I'm going to Parma and then I'm going to go. <laughs> I mean, you can say, you can do what you, they can't stop you. Um, so I, I feel like there were solutions available to her that she didn't choose to engage with, which is fine. You know, my main concern is any sort of damage that it might do to the sport. Um, you know, the WTA yeah. have a product that they need to sell and, and Osaka is part of that. And we have a very individual sport, but Osaka, as it also was announced this week, that she was earning $55 million last year. She is able to earn that $55 million because of Billie Jean King, the original nine. The work that the, the WTA has done over the past 50 years, um, Maria Sharapova, Serena Williams, all of that means that Osaka can be in the position that she's in. And the WTA in return, I mean, look, unless I'm way off the mark with this, but in terms of the mandatory requirements, you're asked to do an on-court interview, a press conference. The on-court interview is three questions. Press conference is, is fairly short. Um, and then sometimes there are bits and bobs for, I mean, you might know better than me, but because you've been the interviewer for sort of the primary rights holders, but sometimes there's a primary rights holder and you have to do a one-on-one -on -one with, with them, for example. But 
it's fairly small considering that everything that the WTA has created is allowing her to earn $55 million. Um, and it's not like they're taking a cut of it. Yes, they, of course, get her to turn up to their tournaments, which is, is huge for the WTA because she's a big pull, but it's a, a give and take relationship. And on top of that, I would also say that Osaka the week before a slam has pulled out of a tournament twice now and gone on to win the slam. She pulled out of Cincinnati in the final because she wanted to be careful for the US Open. And then she pulled out of the Gippsland tournament the week before Australia because she wanted to be careful and she won both of those slams. So, and it's not to say that it's perfect, but as I say, it is a give and take relationship and they're already really struggling because they've lost so much of their Asian income because of covid like that is a big issue for them and i mean but maybe it won't affect the wta so much i mean i personally think that it will because insights into her match are huge that's that's what that's what uh, we we want to hear well the japanese press who've all flown over to paris are wondering what this means is this a blanket press ban will there still be will she still do on court interviews which don't give you anything i mean on court interviews really it's a tough job for an on-court interviewer because you're being told to, if there is a crowd, entertain the crowd and give you three questions for the world feed. So it's difficult, isn't it? Because on one hand, yeah. they want the crowd on Chatre to go, yay, when she says something in French. But then the world feed people don't necessarily want to hear her say, hello, how are you in French? But you've got your three questions. and it. I, so I think I think that job is so difficult. But I'm assuming she'll still do that. What about for the likes of Wow Wow, which is the best name ever for a TV company? Love Wow Wow. And all the Japanese press who follow her around and write wonderful things. And she's such a big thing. She's not such a big thing, just a big thing for them. She's a big thing, as you said, for the sport, for the WTA. She's She's a diamond. She really is in terms of what she can bring for the sport. And I just, I feel... It's going to be interesting to see, is it just Roland Garros and is it based on the fact that she doesn't want the negativity or the questions about why she hasn't um, fulfilled her potential on the clay to this point. Is she just avoiding that? But I, And I just feel sorry for our colleagues because for I was thinking this earlier when someone was asking me to talk about it, and, and I can talk about it as we're doing now, but it doesn't necessarily affect me because in my job and I'm commentating, I'm describing her forehand and her volley and her serve and who's won the point, and then that's the end. The end of the match, X has won, this is the score, goodbye. Whereas a lot of our colleagues who are going to those press conferences to write a piece, to find something, maybe there's there's an angle, maybe they're doing a specific piece on her, they're talking about the match, they are losing out. And maybe they're going to lose out financially because they can't write that piece on Osaka yeah. that they want. And so that's, that's where... And I know you have to put yourself first and she's thinking about herself and she mentioned mental health. But if you look at the wider picture, it, it's those people who are being damaged, those people who... That is their only opportunity. As you say, if you're working for rights holder, as I am here, working for the FFT, I might get an opportunity to speak to some of these players because of who I'm working for. But for these guys, especially if they're coming in remotely, they can't hang around at um, a locker room door or the players' lounge or in pre-COVID days, people could go into the players' lounge and maybe talk to players or coaches. Their one chance is to log in virtually and speak to the player and she's taken that away from them and I think I yeah I as you say I don't know whether she just didn't give us enough in that statement to fully understand where she's coming from and the other thing is it's what 20 grand you can be fined 20 grand for missing a press conference Mm. 
Now, she can afford it. She she won't even know it's gone if she gets to the final, wins it. I'm not saying she's going to and has to pay that fine. But then other players can't do that. Other players can't can't take that hit. So it just, it doesn't, it doesn't sit right, but maybe in time more will come out and maybe we'll be more understanding of why she made the decision. But at the moment, as you say, I, I just feel we need a bit more information to fully understand why she's taken this stance. Yeah, there's, ugh, there's just, there's so many different issues with it, I suppose. Um, and as I say, I just think maybe the explanation was just a little bit brief and it just came across as yeah. kind of, I don't want to do it, so I'm not going to do it. And she can afford to not do it. So find me, whatever, don't really care. And I think, um, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying about the, the individuals. There's been a lot of uh, chat about potentially that some of the questions are pretty bad and ill-informed and that there are people that are possibly not qualified to be interviewing Osaka yeah, and yeah. and some of the players. And that does happen. You know, I mean, I remember at Wimbledon, if it wasn't a Football World Cup or Euros year, there'd be some football pundits who have just been sent to Wimbledon to cover it for a couple of weeks because the season's over. And, you know, it was laughable, some of the questions that they, they would ask <laughs> or statements that they would make. And some of them were pretty offensive and pretty rude. But, you know, you... you and I mean, I was only, what, 16, 17 at the time. And you, but you pick it up pretty quickly that they're nothing to do with the tennis world, these people. They're not actually anyone influential or with an opinion that actually matters. So you just sort of ignore them, really, and just sort of laugh when the, those, year, those years sort of, they, they come around every other year, right? Um, I think the one thing that I would say, I mean, you talked about Zverev as well. Um, and, and, you know, and he's had some pretty tough questioning absolutely over his form. But I think the person who's had the toughest press conferences in recent times has been Djokovic. And as much as a lot of it's of his own making with the PTPA stuff or whatever, but I mean, he's had some grillings, um, you know, thinking way back, you know, the, the past past couple of years and he still turns up and he takes it and, he, and he's clearly unhappy about it and, and those sorts of things. And I, I do understand there'll be some people listening going, well, then he shouldn't have to do that. Why does he have to do that? But, you know, if you don't, if, if you're not, if people aren't interested, if they're not interested in, you know, you think about the biggest sports in the world, right? And they they tend to be team sports. So obviously you have football at the top of the tree. If you're American, you've got NFL and it's very tribal. I mean, people are devastated when their teams lose and they are elated when they win. I mean, it is a level beyond anything that you can imagine and we've seen it recently with the European Super League in terms of the power that fans and people actually have when they are not happy about it and it just seems quite detached that an athlete who's asked why they're not playing very well or whatever it is that might put doubt in their mind is seen as you know I don't know do you see where I'm going with it is it I don't really know how to explain it but it's just that it, it's you, you have to promote the sport you have to sell the sport if you don't then no one will be interested you, you want people to live and breathe Osaka that's why she's being paid so much money because people are desperate for her to win but they are desperate to hear what she has to say about things and I don't know look the long and short of it is after this statement I would love to see her in a press conference so people could ask some more questions about it so we can get some more details <laughs> not not gonna happen in the near future it's almost like she wants to control everything and, and I sort of get that but at the same time she gets really good press it's not like yeah, as you say she's much. being the the only negative she'll get if we're going to call it a negative is her form or lack of form on the clay 
And that's the only thing I can see why why suddenly because she's she's not harassed and she you know people talk about her activism she something she wants to talk about something she wants she has a platform she wears the mask she wants to get people talking she wants the narrative she wants to make a difference this is this is part of her finding her voice and tennis has given her the platform to talk about the causes that are really close to her heart and that's amazing yeah i love she, that she's using you know her her power because she ultimately is incredibly powerful now in the sport and just in the world she's an icon pretty much but it's uh yeah i just think it's a little bit uh, i'm not it feels sure. a bit disrespectful it, it feels a wee bit disrespectful to to the sport and to the wta because she is so important to them yeah she is she's really really important to them and as her star grows i mean you had all these celebrities on twitter saying oh i understand and good decision made and you know she she's sort of stratospheric in terms of where she is but as you said the williams sisters how many press conferences have we sat in and learned nothing yeah and look they <laughs> occasionally miss them and that you know and that's fine yeah. but in terms of fine. making this sort of decision i think that it is, it is definitely completely extraordinary and we've we've never seen it before have we i mean it's it's a uh, yeah no. it's it's no, it's amazing it's... but yeah i'm not um i'm not as i say i, I want to just clarify my position i'm not sitting here just 100 percent disagreeing with her i just don't feel like the explanation that she's given is valid based on purely what she said i don't get it now looking at the drawn i know anyone could be anyone on, or largely anyone on any, any given day and i was about to say that she's not going to face a full fine because i and i still don't see her winning or even going that deep but she's she hasn't got the worst draw i mean she's she's right down the bottom as the second seed and as i say that you can find danger anywhere but you look at the names in and around her and it doesn't look too bad for Osaka where she's found herself. Yeah, I mean, looking if you look at the seeds, uh, Risk is in her section, isn't a big fan of the clay, has been pretty out of form, has been very injured as well recently. So she's not playing her best tennis. You've got Kiki Burton's, of course, very dangerous on the clay, but hasn't been necessarily playing at the level that we've we've seen from her you know once again you've got a marketa von drusova again she has had success on the clay but is not in fantastic form coming mm. in that's that, those are her seeds to get her teeth stuck into really the big one for her when you when you look at it is andrescu uh, that will be her seed, but that you know that's a quarter final, so you got to deal How with it when you get there. How fit is she? How healthy is Andrea? And, and she made the statement, didn't she, when we started worrying when she recently withdrew, and she said, "Look, I've just learned that I've played through too many injuries. I'm just being sensible." Because whenever you see Andreescu pulls out of tournament, you think, "Ah, oh, here we go again." But she's saying on this occasion, just precautionary. Yeah, and. I really enjoy how she's been pretty honest about the fact that she has overdone it um, and that she has ignored it because it's so hard as a player. You sort of train yourself to run through walls and to go through every sort of pain barrier. But you then have to be able to understand a different pain barrier and say, no, I can't do that. But it's really hard when that's all you do and that's what you do so, so well. Yeah. So I totally understand it. But Andrescu Osaka quarterfinal potentially. Um, I mean, what look? The match that we all want is them doing that on a hardcore, a US Open or something oh, like that. Yeah. That's what everybody wants to see, potentially in a final. That would be lovely. But uh, that would yeah. be I don't know. I, I mean, I, I say watch out for Andreescu, people. Now we get, I remember we get to pick, well, we get to repick, don't we, this week? Now we've seen the draw come out. And someone I mentioned 
last week was uh, Sabalenka. Sabalenka, mm. the third seed here, and looking up and in, into her little chunk. And this could get very interesting. And in this chunk, eventually, we've got Victoria Azarenka. And we find ourselves with Serena Williams. Where are you sitting? Serena Williams, going deep here, not deep? Uh, I mean, she's got... I mean, she's got a fairly reasonable draw with, I think, the exception of, um, you know, the Sabalenka again, but that's a quarterfinal. So if she gets there, she'll be off and running, probably feeling fairly good. Yeah. I think it will be good signs if Serena is looking at sort of, a f if she's getting to the fourth round, feels like physically she should be holding up okay. But I mean, who who knows? Um, I think got to be backing Sabalenka <laughs> out of that section, really, haven't you? Yeah, but then we've got Shiontek, yeah. so the defending champion. And I'm I'm going up and I've got Muguruza who whew, I mean if she's fully fit and firing then you know watch out people and we've got Barty up there it's a shame they've all kind of crunched in the same section mm. you've got Svitolina in this top chunk you've got Kenin I know she's recently split with her dad and putting together a new team but look she's been in the final here you've got Ostapenko who's won the tournament you've you've got a really kind of chunky top half of the draw well the second section is brutal in my opinion yeah. i think it's absolutely rubbish well i mean it's great for us rubbish if you're one of the players <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah, i mean it's headed up by kenin but she's got penko first round i mean i cannot wait for that i'm so excited that's someone she's a player that gets you whooping and a hollering and kind of leaning in the commentary box isn't she ostapenko yeah and kenin i yeah. love them both so i'll be fist pumping everything going on there i'm really excited for that i mean maria sakari's been playing some really good stuff as well recently Garbina Muguruza one of the best players for the last 18 months and of course Fiontech the defending champ of only October when she lifted the title so that is a brutal quarter absolutely and then you've got Barty at the top with a potential Coco Goff lurking around um, you've got a Mukova in there and Svitolina but I think that section looks a little more favorable to Barty but that second section oh no thanks so who you who did you pick last week for, to win, to win Barty. And would uh, would you like to change? Ooh. I mean, it's just it's, it's just so hard, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, who picked Ostapenko to win? Um, <laughs> I Do you know what? But when we started, my plan was to change to Sabalenka. You know it's going to be a circle now. Now she's not speaking to anyone. She's going. Well, that was actually one other point that I was going to make that I didn't make is that yeah. maybe she needs to create these little crusades for herself because we saw how effective it was at the US Open. Oh, like she's yes. on a mission of yes. this is what I'm doing with yes. my with myself maybe that's how she deals with her her fame and her fortune and her power it's about what am I doing with it as long as she's doing something with it she can be comfortable so yeah I don't know but my plan was to change to Sabalenka I'm now okay. not so sure um I, I, I gotta stick with Barty gonna stick with Barty mm. who did I go for did you... I go did uh... I go for Barty with a little bit of Margaretha did I? Yeah, yeah, Muguruza could be fun. Uh, I just don't like that section. I don't like that area. I think I feel like saying Osaka, which is ridiculous. Yeah, you've got to, you, you've got, you've got to come. Not, uh, not, you've got to she's not, not pick someone. She's not going to do it. I'll go, I'll go Barty. Our form's been great. <laughs> top seed. When did the last, <laughs> was the last time a top seed won a slam? I'm, I'm not going top seeds. Um, I'm not going top seed in the men's, if that helps. Yeah, fairly. Should we, should we move on to the men's? Might go, I might go for the third seed. Uh, right, so, so in the men's, it's... it's I, I know some people 
don't like Wimbledon's way of doing things when they got the little system. <laughs> yeah. And how many times have you done whatever you've done at Wimbledon? We'll wriggle things around. Oh, we're just going to bump you up from where you are. But boy, I'd like something like that here. I do not like the fact that Rafa Nadal is the third seed. I do not like the fact that Medvedev is at the very bottom, having never won a round at Roland Garros. And I know he deserves to be world number two, but he does not deserve to be the second seed at Roland Garros. Well, does he? I know, he? I know, and I, I see both sides of it because um, it, de- it depends what, what you're doing. Are you are you trying to do the seeds to organise the draw out so that... Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough, isn't it? It's tough. This was the whole thing with Curtin and Sampras. Curtin was number one in the world, just, but Sampras was put as the first seed at Wimbledon. So Wimbledon have had it this. Just stick. Ruins it. it just ruins it. It just ruins it. Does it not ruin it? But Wimbledon have, not ruin it, but. <sighs> but Wimbledon have been taking this stick for years. I mean, they've changed it now. They've actually changed They're not doing the formula anymore. No, but they've. Not. They they had been dealing with it for years and and now they've changed it. Everyone's complaining that it's not here at Roland Garros. I do enjoy, though. That uh, the the Daniel Medvedev, I just I call him the disruptor, because his game is so disruptive. You know the way that he's brought this sort of different character, slightly villainesque character. He's quite disruptive in that way. Has the crowd booing and all that sort of thing. And then he's now booted Nadal into Djokovic's half at Roland Garros. But he himself has been disrupted by the clay. And and he's yeah. and he's starting things off against Alexander Bublik, which is a wonderful, Ooh. wonderful first round match. Upset uh, alert. I, I I just I, I don't I'm never sure that Bublik has got enough focus, especially over five sets, to probably get the job done. But he can be annoying and he and if Medvedev doesn't come out with the right mindset, if he comes out with the I don't like clay, it gets everywhere and it's dirty. And and Bublik comes out really focused rather than saying I'm just playing because of the money and I'm just enjoying myself. Then yeah, no, absolutely. I mean that's uh. And did you know that Chris O'Connell? I'm just looking at the draw here. Who's a mm. wild card? You're thinking why on earth are you mentioning that Australian? Because he is the cousin of one of the mums in the boys' year at school. Oh wow. <laughs> and and we were talking the other day and she said, did you know? And I think he got the reciprocal wild card. Yes. Because Astra Sharma got it in the And she said, Did you know my cousins got into Roland Garros? There and you I go. said, That's not a statement you expect to hear in the kids' playground, is it? Um and she said it's it's Chris O'Connell. And I was like, Wow. So th- that's it's apropos of nothing, but just a little random thing that I saw in the draw there. So th- in terms of this bottom half of the draw. I mean, it's not bad, is it? In terms of trying to go on a run and get through that, there's some opportunities with Zverev in there. Sitsipas, the form player at the moment, when you're talking about Clay, winner in Monte Carlo, Dominic team, where's the mind at? Is team mentally set to go at Roland Garros? I think that the pressure will be on Sitsipas to come through this bottom half of the draw, quite honestly. Yeah. He has been playing the best level consistently. I know Zverev, of course, won in Madrid, but fairly different conditions. You know what I'm quite excited about? The potential mm. of team, who has been a bit out of form, against Rude in the last 16. Yeah, yeah. That is Rude. exciting. Yeah, um, and I think that could uh, that could be cracking. You've also got Fabio Fanini in that little section. Davidovic Fakina as well. So some uh, some difficult players knocking about there. I mean, Zverev, of course, is, is playing. And, and uh, I mean, he's the sixth seed. And I was talking about that title in Madrid. There's nothing to say that he couldn't come through that bottom half. You know, I wouldn't be entirely surprised. I'd be very impressed. But, yeah, I mean, 
it would be uh will it be for Sitsipas? I think the win in Monte Carlo is gonna be so huge because remember in Miami <laughs> I was gonna say Indian Wells, that didn't happen. <laughs> but in Miami, Sitsipas was kind of you know, between Sitsipas and Rublev, everybody was thinking, Okay, right, one of these guys is gonna win their first Masters event. Didn't happen. Both really struggled uh, and didn't get it through to the final. It was a Hercatch Sinner final instead. But I think yeah. the fact that he's got over the line, won that tournament, will change that. Because I was thinking the pressure is ultimately that this is his half, right? This is the Sitsipas half. That's what it is. It's not Medvedev's as much as he's a second seed. It just it doesn't feel like that. And it does feel like Sitsipas would uh, be the favourite to get through to the final. Will he deal with that? And I think that he will, seeing as he's he will. won Monte Carlo. I think he will. Yeah, I, I think he... I think mentally I think he's I think I, I, it's an interesting half but it's the half you'd want to be in if you were a player Called a second round for him Ooh, yeah Ooh. no I'd, I'd still back him on that one mm. I think mm. top half bottom up Rublev propping up the bottom of the top half Mm-hmm. And then as we go up, it just gets... Well, there's Aslan Karatsev. We have to mention him because the wheels aren't coming off and off he goes again. And I mean, who knows what he's going to do? Probably anything. Diego Schwartzman's been no form. No form. He did a wonderful spread. I think it was in GQ... Was it Mexico or GQ something? Looked lovely. Lovely, lovely shots. But in terms of the tennis, haven't seen too many lovely, lovely shots over the past few weeks. I think you might agree on on that. Sinner, 18th seed. Sonigo in some form. Cameron Norrie. How well has he been doing on the clay as we touched on at the start? Then we find Rafa Nadal. Above him, Roger Federer, who said, I'm basically here to warm up for Wimbledon. So everybody, nothing to see here. I'm here. Nothing to see here. He could face Marin Cilic in round two. It's ridiculous. Oh, wow. <laughs> isn't it weird to see Nadal and Federer's names right next to each other in the draw? It is, isn't it? Because what Federer's eighth seed, Nadal... It's just weird that they, shouldn't they just be at top and bottom? Yeah, it's just odd. And then you go up and you go, you've got Fritz and Ojalia Seam and who else am I going to find out? Berrettini, you were talking about earlier, Goffan. Oh, what's he going to do? Probably nothing. Mm-hmm. And then we keep going up, we keep going up, we keep going up and we will find at the top of the draw, Novak Djokovic. Wow. Yeah. I mean. I quite enjoyed a, a tweet that came in uh, from Chris Oddo. Uh, not long ago, just as we started recording, which was 59 slams on the top half of the draw and one in the bottom half. <laughs> so, there you go. Wow. And and the thing is, you just, it's five sets, best of five sets. It's on clay, it's Roland Garros and still Nadal. It's still, despite where he's landed. And I know Novak Djokovic, as we record this, which is Thursday evening, he's still in Belgrade, doing his thing in Belgrade too. But... Yep. I don't know. I pick. Did I pick Nadal last week? Was I? I know I was wobbling, but I still went Nadal, didn't I? I think so. Mm, I think you went so. Djokovic, didn't you? No, I didn't. No, no, no. Did um, you mention Berrettini in there? Yeah, as no, well? I did. I did. So you're not oh, listening sorry, to me. Sorry. I said, as you mentioned earlier, Berrettini. But I don't see him. Uh, I, 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 everything. I agree with everything you said. He's not just a forehand and a serve. But I don't see him. I was about to say pulling up trees. I don't see him digging up clay. Do you? No, I no, I think that's fair enough. I wasn't really putting him in the mix of winning the tournament. I just just wanted to make sure he got his shout out, that's all. Oh, he's, he's got loads of shout outs. So well, I mean look, ultimately <laughs> we're gonna be expecting a Djokovic Nadal semi final, aren't we? Yeah. Okay, so who's what who's the final gonna be? Because as we can't have Djokovic Nadal, who's the final gonna be? Nadal sits a pass. Nadal sits a pass. And then a comfortable Nadal yes. win for title number fourteen and he can go and stand next to his new statue. Yeah, I think so. Is it a statue when it's made out of metal? 
Ooh, what I a statue? What would it be? Would you say statue, a monument? Feel... No, that would be Mon- a tall thing. Sta- and that sounds a bit. I don't. It sounds a bit gloomy. A monument. I feel like a statue like... can be made out of anything, can't it? Can it? Yeah. It wasn't yeah. a particularly realistic statue. It was quite artistic. Bits missing. Yeah, there's a lot of holes in the doll. Lot, lot of, there's lots of. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a few holes. I, I always wonder. No one is ever. I hate to put you in this. No one's ever going to make a statue of us, right? Would you agree on that? Mm-hmm. You would? Okay. Yeah. So I didn't want you suddenly to be offended that I'd said, made the sweeping statement. But can you imagine that? I can't imagine anything worse, right? That I, I assume he hadn't seen it before. I don't know. But like today they had this paper in front of it and these bull girl and bull boy pulled away the paper and there it was. A bit like Ronaldo, you know, that ridiculous Ronaldo statue yeah, that was, that was unfailed. I mean, it's ridiculous. And and suddenly the thing's taken off or the paper's taken away and you're looking at it and everyone's looking at you for your reaction to you looking at you and and say, like the Ronaldo thing, I mean, <laughs> what, 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 I just, oh, it's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure when the curtain is pulled back. But Nadal, it's, it's very artistic. There was a big round of applause. But I just think that must be a weird moment when you, when you were revealed to you. You see what I mean? Yeah. I don't, think I'd, I, I don't think I'd like that. Yeah, I mean, you can only really smile and say, well, right, that's about, that's about what you can really do. <laughs> but everyone will be looking at you. What, what's, what is that reaction? No, I, I think I'd be quite uncomfortable. Um, but no, lovely. It's great that they've done that. There was a, a bit on social media, is it too soon? And I think, you know, no, he's 113. It's not well, too I soon. Well, I mean, it's definitely early. Oh, come on. Andy Murray was made a sir like 10 years ago. That's different. That was early. What is that? Why is that it's different? Just, it's just it's different. Oh, we don't have time to go into it's, this. We have to go. Is it? That's uh, <laughs> okay. So Nadal, are we both gone the same? Nadal, are, we, are our predictions? Yeah. Is... <laughs> oh, this is so dull, guys. We've. I'm really going to go out, out there then. Sorry, right, I'm changing. I'm changing. Go on then. Berrettini. Oh, for heaven's sake. Uh, it's like me saying Rublev. It's not going to happen, especially in the half he's in. It's not going to happen. Okay, I, okay. so Nadal and Barty are my sensible picks. My my slightly out there picks, I'm going to go Sabalenka mm. and I'm going to go Sitspas. Okay, well, I'll go Muguruza and... Mm. It's quite tough to go out there on the men's side, isn't it? Really? <laughs> Let's be honest. It's, it's very but, difficult. But you have to. Um, Come on. Maybe we'll get to this in about a week's time. <laughs> so, yeah. Who knows? Let's oh, see. Oh, wow. You're Nadal. actually not... You're actually... Wow. You're actually not going to give me an answer. I can't Medvedev. Wow. It's, cra- <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? That he's the world number two in second seed, but that's a really out there pick. <laughs> yeah, okay, so they are madness. your... They, okay, so Muguruza and Medvedev. Right, now I'm I'm an hour ahead of you, so yeah. I'm I'm going to go to sleep now. Yeah, I've got to go as well. We will be back and we'll be rounding up what's going on and always something comes up at this tournament, so we'll see what's what. But it's been fun. Cool. Bye.